This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, September 21st. Coming up, not everyone who runs for office in Missouri has to register with a political party, but Missouri's Secretary of State wants to change that. I can tell you that I would probably not be running. Plus, a utility company in Kansas wants to spend millions on electric vehicles, but state regulators aren't completely on board with the idea. But first, St. Louis couple Mark and Patricia McCloskey went viral last year after they stood outside their home and pointed guns at Black Lives Matter protesters. Now, a Missouri office that disciplines lawyers says the couple should lose their licenses to practice law. KCUR's Dan Margulies reported that story for us, and he is here to talk about it. Hi, Dan. Hi, Noanne. You're a lawyer, right? Do you have a law degree? Yes, I like to call myself a recovering lawyer. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want people to know, you know... That your... I know whereof I speak. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You ha- actually have expertise in this area. Yeah. So, first of all, who are the McCloskeys? Well, the McCloskeys uh, famously brandished firearms at BLM protesters last year. The two of them are lawyers. They have their own law firm in St. Louis, the McCloskey Law Center, that focuses on personal injury litigation. And now the chief disciplinary counsel of Missouri, uh, the man in charge of imposing lawyer discipline, has filed papers with the Missouri Supreme Court seeking to have their law licenses suspended for an indefinite period of time. Now, this is a decision that the Supreme Court has to make ultimately. But uh, the chief disciplinary counsel's uh, reason for seeking the suspension of their law licenses is that they both, Mark and Patricia McCloskey, pleaded guilty to misdemeanors back in June in connection with the gun brandishing incident. So I should hasten to add that the chief disciplinary counsel said in connection with their guilty pleas that they involved moral turpitude and as such were grounds for discipline. I should also throw in that Missouri Governor Mike Parson pardoned both Mark and Patricia McCloskey last month. However, the Chief Disciplinary Counsel, whose name is Alan Patzel, says that has no bearing on whether their law licenses should be suspended because their guilt remains in place, notwithstanding that they they were pardoned. So why did they brandish those firearms? They have repeatedly said in public statements that they did so to protect their home, even though the protesters were nonviolent and were not carrying any weapons themselves. But they said they feared for their lives and for their property. Mm -hmm. So moral turpitude is a term that came up in your story a lot, and I have to confess, I don't know what that means, even though it sounds bad. So can you explain what that is and and why it matters in this context? Well, I guess another way of putting it, I mean, moral turpitude is a term of art in legal circles, but it also means moral dereliction, uh, that they failed in their duty. And I should add that the uh, Disciplinary Council also says that uh, they endangered public safety in doing so, and that's another ground for discipline. But yes, moral turpitude is a sort of general catch-all phrase that basically embraces almost any crime to which a lawyer pleads guilty, felony or misdemeanor. How likely is it that they will end up losing their licenses? Do we know at this point? 
Well, I mean, it is not uncommon for lawyers to lose their licenses if they have been convicted of a crime or, as was the case here, they plead guilty to a crime. So, I mean, I'd hate to make any predictions, but the Missouri Supreme Court is usually pretty strict about these things. Now, the chief disciplinary counsel is asking that their licenses be suspended indefinitely with no chance to apply for reinstatement for at least six months. So even if they do get suspended, they will have the option of applying for reinstatement, presumably at some point. And when is the Supreme Court expected to decide on this? This is hard to say. I mean, I would expect it to take some months before the Missouri Supreme Court rules on this. Dan Margulies is a reporter for KCUR and a member of the Missouri Bar. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Nomi. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Julie Bartell-Smith with J.B. Smith Communications. KCUR feels like a friend. It's an old friend you can rely on to bring you consistent coverage, and a new friend who challenges you to explore new things and think differently. KCUR is a wise friend who brings perspective to the news, and an entertaining friend who often makes you smile or laugh out loud. The best friends are those who bring out the best in you. That's KCUR for me. And I suspect you feel it too. So we're asking for your support today. Together, we need to make sure this friend will stick around a lot longer. Call 816-235-5287 with your pledge. Don't forget to subscribe to The Early Bird, the daily news email from KCUR. Get news from Kansas City to Washington, D.C. delivered to your inbox every weekday at 6 a.m. Be in the know before you even get out of bed. The Early Bird. Subscribe at kcur.org newsletters. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Now, some headlines. Federal authorities are investigating a weekend fire at a church in North Kansas City as arson. The fire gutted the front of the Harlem Baptist Church, named after a small river town that's mostly gone now. Jason Withington was baptized in the church and said it's heartbreaking to think it could be completely ruined. This is the last original building from Harlem's uh, past, and this has stood here for 120 years, and it's just it's touched so many lives and had an impact on this community. Investigators say they believe the blaze was intentionally set, but they don't think it was a hate crime. A Sudanese congregation still meets at the church. Utility company Evergy wants to spend about $30 million in Kansas to encourage people to buy electric vehicles. Brian Grimmett of the Kansas News Service reports. Evergy's plan calls for spending $19 million to offer rebates to Kansas homeowners and businesses to install electric vehicle chargers. It also asks regulators to approve spending $13.5 million on expanding the company's public charging network to underserved areas outside of the Kansas City metro area. State regulators at the Kansas Corporation Commission say they can get behind the rebate program, but don't think it's in customers' best interest to have to pay to expand a charging network when private companies are willing to take the risk. If regulators vote to deny the request, it would be the second time they've prevented Evergy from passing the costs of building a charging network onto customers. In the 2020 presidential election, voter turnout in Missouri was 70 percent. 
Meanwhile, local elections can see as little as 10% of voters going to the polls. Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft thinks that might be because candidates in municipal elections don't have to choose whether they're running as a Democrat, a Republican, or a member of another party. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All has more. Ashcroft says local government is important, and it's not good for big decisions about people's everyday lives to be determined by the outcome of elections with so few people showing up to the polls. That's why he's considering pursuing a change to state election law that would reduce or eliminate nonpartisan elections and have candidates for local offices choose a party. If we were to, to make some of those, quote, partisan, we're not trying to make them more uh, combative, uh, would that help more people to come out? Does calling them nonpartisan make people think they aren't important? Such a move would require legislation and likely be the subject of fierce debate. But the idea already does not sit well with some election officials, office holders, and voting experts. Anita Mannion teaches political science at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. She says even if partisan elections for local offices increase turnout, it would decrease the number of candidates. Say I want to run for my local school board, but to me that's not a partisan issue. It's about strengthening our education system and not alienating neighbors who might be of a different political party. So that could be a concern that some might have as well. And it's not hard to find an example of such a candidate turned off by the prospect of being forced to choose a party. I can tell you that I would probably not be running. Jody Eberly is on the Rolla City Council where the 2021 voter turnout was 12 percent, down from 15 percent in the previous election. Eberly wishes more people voted in local elections, but says making them partisan is not the way to achieve that goal. With the last couple of years where things have uh, become so rancorous and so bitter uh, and polarized that I think there are a lot of good people out there who just would not want to be involved in that. Eberly says it's up to candidates for office to walk the neighborhoods and encourage people to turn out for elections. But she is also in favor of other measures that would make it easier to vote. Marilyn McLeod agrees. She's the president of the Missouri League of Women Voters. She says before the state considers a radical change like eliminating nonpartisan elections, it should first make sure it's as easy as possible to cast a ballot. A simple one would be like we did a year ago during COVID, where we made mail-in ballots available beyond just those few reasons. And people really liked that. No excuse absentee ballots, early voting, and more mail-in options are all proven to increase voter turnout, according to UMSL's Mannion. She says there may be a way to get the turnout of a partisan election without requiring city and school board candidates to pick a party by combining their elections. So instead of voting five different times in Missouri, maybe you vote one time a year. Uh, those things have been shown to have much more effects on voter turnout than something like making elections more partisan. But even that idea isn't without critics. If state, federal, county, city, school board, and other races were all on the same ballot and all with different district lines, that could mean each precinct may have to offer dozens of different ballots. Dave Ernst is the county clerk in Pulaski County. He says that would make running elections more difficult and possibly more costly. The number of splits or different ballot styles that those districts would have to create uh, would, in my opinion, lead to more voter confusion and it would uh, create an undue burden upon the, the election authorities in those areas. 
Ashcroft's idea is far from reality, as it can't even be introduced as a possible law change until the legislature convenes in January. But he says it's still an idea worth considering. He also points out that it could be a way to encourage diversity of political thought instead of just another race between Republicans and Democrats. You can be a green candidate, you can be a libertarian, um, you can be a constitutional candidate. I mean, all the all, people of those have all run, and especially I think at local races, individuals and in smaller parties have a much greater chance of, of being able to be successful. But regardless, a decision to change local elections would be up to the state legislature. In Rala, I'm Jonathan All. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Maria Carter and Lisa Rodriguez. You can hear more of our work on KCUR.org, where you can also read Dan's story on the McCloskeys and Jonathan's story on elections. Tomorrow, we'll hear how an invasive grass species is wreaking havoc on the Kansas prairie. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.